We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers solo show tonight. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. Of course, when we do this live show, and it is just me, it's never really just me. It's me and all of you. So welcome in if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. We'll talk some Lakers basketball tonight. We'll talk a little bit about, about the oppressor Beverly had the other day, and Russell Westbrook showed up. We'll chat about that. We'll talk about, well... The reality that Russell Westbrook may very well be on this team for training camp and perhaps for the regular season, which means we might be in store for more Russell Westbrook trade rumors throughout the season because you know that story is not necessarily going away. Talk about how you make things work with Russell Westbrook and what Darvin Ham, what task he's got ahead of him as we move towards training camp for your Los Angeles Lakers. So again, welcome in to everybody who's joining me. I'm seeing the comments already jumping in here from uh, YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Guys, if you are a podcast listener, even if you're not a podcast listener, do me a favor. Go to Apple Podcasts. Hit that subscribe button over there. Just follow us over on Apple Podcasts. Helps us out with our rankings and everything. Leave us a five-star rating and review as well if you'd like. That could certainly help us out. So appreciate that. Um, all right, let's start things off with Patrick Beverly. Had that press conference and, man... It was amazing how it wasn't really necessarily about Patrick Beverly. Russell Westbrook being there kind of stole the show, didn't it? It became about Russell Westbrook and his presence. And, you know, my initial reaction when the Lakers let it be known that there was going to be a press conference introducing Patrick Beverly was, huh, that's not necessarily a good sign that there's any kind of a trade in the works. Typically, a team's not going to try to have a press conference when they are working on getting a trade done. If they're anywhere close to getting a deal done, they're not going to hold a press conference for another player, for, for Patrick Beverly. And you notice there was no, like, holding up the jersey and all that kind of stuff for Patrick Beverly. It was a much more laid-back experience in terms of, of a press conference. But then you added on top of that the fact that Russell Westbrook was, I believe, the only player to actually attend the press conference, him and uh, and Darvin Ham was there as well, and Russ was right there with head coach Darvin Ham. It doesn't seem, the vibe around the Lakers doesn't feel like they're about to trade this guy, despite everything that we've heard all offseason that they've been trying to. They've been trying to figure out a way, but when we start putting the pieces together and you start hearing kind of the whispers and things like that, it just sounds like the Lakers aren't really willing to bear the pain of moving him, right? I mean, no matter what, 
it has to hurt to some degree. No matter what deal you find, you're either going to be taking on, it's going to be some combination of future salary or future draft assets, sometimes both, right? You're going to be sacrificing something in order to move Russell Westbrook. And it just feels like the more we've heard about the negotiations that they've had, they're just not willing to really experience any pain to move on from Russell Westbrook, which is surprising. I think the general consensus around the NBA is that the Lakers would probably be wise to move on from it, even if it costs them something, even if it hurts a little bit to move on from him. Well, you might as well do that and see if you can salvage your season. But the Lakers don't appear to be willing at this point to do that. I talked to Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report this morning. He came on the Lakers Nation podcast. We did a morning version of the show. And he said that he it doesn't seem likely that the Lakers are going to make a move here with Russell Westbrook, that instead they're going to keep the status quo and head into training camp as is. He also shot down the Pacers rumors as well, said it doesn't seem like the Pacers are interested in making a deal that they actually want two firsts for Miles Turner and that they would want even more in exchange for taking on Russell Westbrook, which kind of goes hand in hand with the rumor that we heard uh, about a week ago that the Pacers' initial request from the Lakers, if they were going to do a deal for uh, for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, was that they wanted Taylor Horton Tucker and the Lakers to eat the salary of Daniel Tice, plus the two first-round picks. We talked about why that was simply too much for the Lakers to pay. So now, at this point, as we're inching closer to training camp, with every day we get closer, it becomes more likely that the Lakers roster will sit as is come training camp. Now, I will give you at least a little bit of... I don't know if this is going to be positive news, but something is going to happen. Something's going to, going to happen no matter what. I can guarantee you the Lakers will make some kind of a move before the start of the regular season because they have to. Right now, they only have 13 players on guaranteed contracts on their main roster. They have to have 14. Now, that move might be something extremely minor. It could be as Minor as taking someone who's on the G League team right now and giving them a full roster spot. It could mean taking someone who's on a two-way contract, either Cole Swider or Scotty Pippa Jr., and giving them a full contract and giving someone else a two-way spot. It could also mean going out there and signing someone in free agency. You know, I saw people were advocating on Twitter saying the Lakers, what they should do is they should actually sign Dennis Schroeder anyway, even though you've already got plenty of guards, just in case the whole Russell Westbrook thing blows up. Then you've got an immediate player that you can turn to that can be part of that rotation. Yeah, I don't know if I if I would go that far, but who knows? They could try to sign somebody in free agency. I'd be looking for a wing, but right now, oof, there is really not much out there at this point. Uh, I am seeing some of the questions coming in here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the situation with Darvin Ham in just a moment, but let me get to the super chat right now. Jarrett Nunez said, the roster is fast, built for Russell Westbrook. We need one shooter. I disagree, Jared. Now, I don't disagree that the roster is fast. I think that is 100% true. I think the roster is indeed fat, faster anyway than we saw last year. Much Look, the Lakers saw last season, what was it that worked? What was the one thing out of the entire season, really, that worked? Because it wasn't injuries. It wasn't the older players. It wasn't uh, Russell Westbrook with LeBron and AD. That didn't work. Nothing worked, it felt like, except for finding younger athletic players who maybe have been passed over by other teams, plugging them in and having them do the bare minimum in terms of what you're asking them to do in terms of what their responsibilities are on the floor, allowing LeBron, allowing Anthony Davis, allowing the veteran players to kind of bear more of that burden 
while having these younger players with young legs who have the energy to do the dirty work stuff, to do the boxing out, the diving on the floor, the uh, running fast breaks, all that kind of stuff. So the Lakers took that, took that idea, that notion, and put that over into the roster that they assembled for this year. So you've got Troy Brown Jr. Uh, once Scott Anderson's 29, but still, I mean, that's, that's young compared to last year's roster. Uh, you've got Lonnie Walker certainly is a ridiculous athlete. You bring back Austin Reeves. Uh, you go get Damian Jones, who's pretty athletic. Thomas Bryant is a young player. You're adding in all of these young pieces into this roster. So I do agree, Jarrett, that the roster is fast. It's built to run in that sense. So in terms of are there guys physically that can get out and run with Russell Westbrook? Yes. But when I look at the roster otherwise, this roster is not at all, particularly in the half court, is not at all built to make Russell Westbrook look good. In fact, this roster is the exact opposite of what you would want if you were going to try to make Russell Westbrook look good and be effective in the half court. It's like they paid no mind at all to what works for Russell Westbrook. And to a degree, it's true of LeBron as well. In terms of they just don't have much shooting on this roster. They don't. There's not a lot of shooting that they brought in. Now, I said a million times that what I would prefer to see the Lakers do is even if they found a bunch of guys who just shot league average from three, if they focused on finding guys who are athletic and could play defense, that would be preferable to getting guys who shoot 40 plus percent from three and don't play defense. That's kind of what they did, but they have a lot of guys who shoot sub 35% from three. And so statistically, they right now rate out as one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. So spacing is going to be a concern. And that's one of the big issues with fitting in Russell Westbrook, just to transition over into talking a little bit about Darvin Ham. His big challenge is how do you make Russell Westbrook work? How do you make this team work? When you know you don't have many three-point shooters on the team. Now, Patrick Beverly helps a little bit. If Kendrick Nunn is healthy, he helps a little bit as well. But how do you generate the kind of space that you need, not just for us to be successful, but for LeBron, for uh, for AD, even a guy like Lonnie Walker who, who can uh, be explosive when he gets into the paint. How do you set up success for those guys if you have at least one guy on the floor, if it's Russell Westbrook at all times, that teams don't care? If he's behind the three-point line, they will completely ignore him gladly and will camp an extra player in the paint. That's going to be a big challenge. In my mind, If look, if, assuming that we start the season here with Russell Westbrook on the roster, goodbye Damian Jones as a starter. Right now, I, I think Thomas Bryant was the guy that we had kind of penciled, penciled in anyway, but you can't have Damian Jones on the floor if you have Russell Westbrook out there and Anthony Davis, who, remember, shot 18 and change from three, 18% from the three-point line last season. Now, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, that improves. But until we see that, I don't see any way that you can have, you can start a Damian Jones who's a non-three-point shooting big if Russell Westbrook's also going to be on the floor. Your floor spacing's going to be bad enough as it is. I think that the de facto center would essentially have to be either Anthony Davis or more likely Thomas Bryant to start out the season. So again, I agree. The young legs, I think, help Russ. They can help him out defensively. They can help him get out and run. But in the half court, this team is not made for Russell Westbrook to shine. It, again, it's like they paid no mind to that whatsoever in terms of uh, in terms of finding a, a fit. All right. Lakers over everything. Said, for the first time since before the Kyrie news, I'm starting to believe and accept that Russ is staying. I believe Swider will get that final spot. I think we have crossed the threshold where as much sense as it makes for the Lakers to move on from Russ, and it does, it makes... Just about every way I look at this, it makes sense for them to move him if 
the right deal is there. If they can find something that works, it still makes sense. It wouldn't shock me if they moved him. But I think we've crossed that line where now it is more likely that he starts the season on the roster, particularly with what we saw at the, at the presser. It's looking more and more like they are going to start the season with Russell Westbrook on the roster. Again, going into the offseason, I've said, I think Alan Sliwa, my buddy from ESPN, said the same thing. We would be shocked if they brought him back, especially fresh off of that uh, that exit interview that he gave. I went back, actually, uh, it was last night or night before, I went back and watched that exit interview in its entirety just to kind of refresh myself on what on the things that he had said. And I just went, man, I, I don't know how you go back to this given all the stuff that Russell Westbrook threw out there in that exit interview, yet somehow here we are. And I, I now think it is more likely that they bring him back next season. And that's what we're going to be staring down. Uh, Swider getting the final roster spot. I really think, and this is something to keep an eye on as we get into training camp and then into preseason, it comes down to defense. That's really it. We already know Cole Swider can shoot. He can shoot the hell out of the ball. But can he stay on the floor defensively? There were moments in summer league, in summer league, where he was getting exposed defensively. That's definitely going to be a concern once the season starts up. Even in preseason play, you're going to see him really get targeted. And so we're going to see what kind of work he put in. Did he catch up quickly on the defensive end? If not, maybe he needs a little more time in the G League. That's going to be the big question. So that's what I'm going to focus on with Cole Swider. I think his shooting is a definite need for the Lakers, but can he stay on the floor defensively? Can he at least be an average or passable defender? That's what you need from him. If he can get to that level, then I agree. I think he could very well get that final roster spot. If he can't, then he probably doesn't. If he can't get to just be a passable defender, then he probably doesn't get that spot. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Mario Hernandez said, as of now, would you prefer to close games with a backcourt of Russ and Patrick Beverly or probably the better option, Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly? I would rather close games with Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly. Uh, the reason being that Patrick Beverly can certainly handle the ball. He's not as much of a creator as Russell Westbrook is, but Austin Reeves also gives you that secondary playmaking. And let's face it, LeBron is going to be in the game to close games regardless, and he's probably going to be handling the ball the most anyway. So, if Russell Westbrook, his best skill, the best thing he brings to your team is his ability to get into the paint and then do something from there, whether it's score, whether it's pass, right? Set up, a, set up teammates. And of course, last season, we saw a number of times where he got into the paint and it became a turnover, especially early in the season. There were a lot of problems with that, but that's probably his best skill set, right? Is to be able to attack and get into the paint and be a, a creator one way or another, whether he's creating a shot for himself or someone else. That's what he does best. Well, LeBron's going to have the ball to close the game. That's that's going to happen. That's going to be a thing regardless of who else is on the floor with him. LeBron's going to have the ball. So if that's the case, you're kind of taking out Russell Westbrook's best thing, the thing that he does best. And that's, you know what, that's true of most of the game when LeBron and, and Russ are sharing the floor. And that was one of the question marks heading into last season. But that's why I'm not closing the game with, with Russell Westbrook on top of the floor spacing and, and everything else. I think Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly are both better as being the secondary attacker. So LeBron does something, whether it's a pick and roll, whatever he does, generates the attention, kick out to Austin Reeves, let him attack off of that secondary action. I think that that's just a better situation for those players. They're a better fit. I think they're better from behind the three-point line. I still believe we're going to see a league average, if not better, three-point shooting season. 
from Austin Reeves. And then defensively on the other end of the floor, you're much, much more switch ready with Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly than you are with Russell Westbrook. So for those reasons, I would agree with that. I would go with Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly in the lineup to close the games over Russell Westbrook. I think that the amount of leeway that we see Darvin Ham give Russell Westbrook, it's going to have to be minimal. It's going to have to be minimal because here's the thing. The Lakers this season, their margin for error, it's non-existent. It's non-existent. We talked about this a bit last season, and I went on and on and on about this. We talked all about early in the season how you have to stack up wins against the bad teams. Every time you get a non-playoff team on your schedule, one of the the Houston Rockets, the Thunder, the, the rebuilding clubs, every time you see those clubs, you just have to say thank you, show up, put in the work, get the job done, and bank that W because you're going to hit a more difficult part of your schedule, and that's where you need to buffer things as much as possible by making sure that you stack up those wins that are presented to you and not messing around, playing with your food, and winding up taking an L on a night that you shouldn't have. The Lakers last year were terrible at this. Awful. It was maddening. They would completely no-show. Energy was not there. You could see their heads were not in it. They can't do that this season. Their margin for error isn't there. They have no... Look, last season, last season, the Western Conference was essentially... that. Last season, the, the Western Conference was like getting into the playoffs was as though the teacher said, okay, all you have to do to get an A is to write your name at the top of your test and turn it in. That was all that was required in order to get in the playoffs last season. The Western Conference was so forgiving, said, all right, who wants to be in the playoffs? Just raise your hand. Anybody can be in the playoffs, right? That's all it took because there were so many injuries to Denver, to the Clippers. There were, it felt like everybody was injured in the Western Conference last year. The Lakers were sitting in the back of the class with their headphones in, not paying any attention. And so all they had to do was write their name on their paper or raise their hand and they get in the playoffs and they still missed out. It was easy to get into the playoffs in the Western Conference last year. The Lakers just said, no, thank you. This year, that's not going to be the case. We're going to be back to the brutal grind of a Western Conference, which means one slip up here or there, and you're not making the postseason again. So the Lakers' margin for error is non-existent. They have to, right out of the gate, they have to win games every time they are presented with opportunities to do so, which means the leeway, the slack that you give Russell Westbrook, it's got to be minimal. We're at a point where you can't worry about feelings. You can't worry about any of that. If what Russ is doing on the floor is leading to wins, and this is not just Russ, this is true of everybody. If it's leading to wins, they stay in. If not, there's a seat right over there. That's going to have to be Darvin Ham's mentality because frankly, you're not going to survive the Western Conference otherwise. Every game is going to be incredibly important and it's going to be extremely, extremely imperative that they take advantage of the wins that are presented to them on their schedule because you don't know for sure that you're going to be able to get those wins against the top flight teams. So I'm going to start on that campaign early. I'm going to start saying it now. Stack up wins while you can. All right, Alex F. Says LA must add cousins. Beverly and Boogie equals a good offseason. I mean, then you're talking about carrying a third center. I would prefer to see another wing. I think they could use another wing defender. It's why I had issues with tossing in Stanley Johnson to the THT for Patrick Beverly trade. I think they need another wing, but 
I like Boogie a lot. I just think that that means if you bring in Boogie, then you are guaranteeing that at least one of your centers, if not two, are, like don't even play. Don't see the floor because Anthony Davis is going to play the center position as well. Say it's Thomas Bryant. The one of Damian Jones or DeMarcus Cousins wouldn't, wouldn't play in that scenario. So I don't want to waste a roster spot on a center, especially with so many teams going small. I would rather go find a, a wing. But again, much easier said than done. Like Boogie's out there. The fact that he's been out, even out there is a good example of how easy it is right now to go find replacement level centers and wings. That's not the case. Wings are extremely tough to come by. So again, easier said than done. I know I say, just go get a wing. Not easy to do. Curtis uh, with the super chat. Thank you. Appreciate it. Said Westbrook and a 2027 first to Detroit for Kemba Walker. 36% three-point shooter, second-best playmaker, and Alec Burks, 38.5% uh, three-point shooting, plus Kelly Olenek, a power forward, uh, and Nerlens Noel to make the money work. So you would actually have to, in order to, the Lakers right now have two open roster spots, so you'd have to move some other pieces in there just to make things work. But again, heading into training camp, they actually have a roster limit of 20, so maybe you can get away with it. Um, but... Forgetting about roster spots, is that a deal that you would do? You're giving up a first-round pick. What are you getting back? Are you getting back anything that really moves the needle? You're getting back floor spacing. I'll agree there. You're solving some of that concern there in terms of getting three-point shooting. Kelly Olenek can shoot the three. Of course, Nerlens Noel, you're getting another rim-protecting big, um, non-three-point shooting. But Alec Burks, Kemba Walker, I don't know how much Kemba Walker has left. I mean, look, there's a story from today that Detroit, the Pistons, they're completely stalled on a buyout with Kemba Walker. Why? Because no one will sign him. Ron Gutterman and I talked about this on the front office show today. The problem is Kemba Walker isn't willing to give back any money because he can't find a team that will sign him once he does get bought out. That's the thing. What Kemba Walker wants is to say, hey, I'm going to go sign with a veteran minimum in Charlotte, so let's say, and they're going to pay me $2.6 million. So I'm going to give you $2.6 million back on my deal and then in exchange for that, you're going to waive me. I'm going to get away. I'm, we're going to do a buyout here. But the problem is Kemba can't find anybody to pay him that money. So then he's not willing to give back any money to Detroit. So then Detroit's saying, well, never mind then. We're not going to even bother doing this. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to waive anybody here. We're not going to waive you. We might as well just keep your salary on the books. All right. Uh, but interesting trade. I don't know how much it moves the needle there. Though overall for the Lakers. All right. Surprise guest, everybody. I figured, you know what? I don't really feel like doing a solo show tonight. Let's bring in a special guest as a surprise. So. Hey, and, how's it going, Fred? Like, man. Welcome, man. How are you doing, man? Thank you for having me, man. I extremely excited to be here. Uh, you know, just surprise. <laughs> surprise. This was complete. Just so everybody knows, this was completely unplanned. I was starting the show. I went, you know what? I It would be fun to have somebody on to, to talk to. And so I sent Dan this literally as the show was starting. Like, hey, if you're free and you want to hop in, here you go. And and here he is. So, man, thanks thanks for answering the, answering the call and coming on here. Awesome, man. Thank you. Um, so we were just talking about, about Russell Westbrook and it looking like he's probably going to be back uh, this next season and how the Lakers can try to make things work. Like, are you where I'm at right now where you kind of feel like, yeah, the writing might be on the wall. I don't know if a trade's going to happen, and uh, it's looking more likely that he's back. Well, yeah, um, you know, Jeannie Buss, 
we saw on SportsCenter today, um, looks like, obviously, you know, the press conference with Patrick Beverly yesterday. Uh, seems like it's inevitable at this point, man. And uh, I'm kind of trying, trying to wrap my head around the whole uh, situation, trying to get behind it. But at the same time, it's, it's so many question marks heading into training camp. But yeah, man, I think it's 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 looking very likely at this point that he comes yeah. back. It, it certainly feels that way right now. And um, you know, you never say never in the NBA. It takes one phone call, right, to change things and, and for something to go down. But just seeing Russ at the press conference with Darvin, it just didn't look like the type of situation that you would expect to see if uh, if they were gonna you know, move him or if there was something in the works. Uh, we've got a chat question coming in says, if you were a general manager, would you pay 47 million for two first? So flipping it, if you were the general manager of another team, if you could get two first for Russell Westbrook, and, but you've got to take on Russell's salary, are you doing that? Absolutely. I mean, it's an expiring contract. You got to use up the salary, right? Under the CBA anyways. Uh, if you're a team, maybe like Utah, um, they're, they're a rebuilding team. Maybe they can sell some tickets along the way. It could be a win-win. However, it depends on on how you know said front office looks at the whole situation. If they're trying to win or they're trying to build around, around young talent, then probably they don't want any sort of distractions or anything like that. Yeah, and I think part of it too is is you could, and it, maybe the Lakers aren't offering this, but you could offer a future salary relief as well in order to kind of get the Lakers or get some added value to another team. So like, like the Pacers, right? If you do the deal, whether or not you give Miles Turner an extension, you would be taking on that next year of Buddy Heald's salary, which opens up some future flexibility for the Pacers too. So it's not just straight up, hey, we're going to pay $47 million. Russell Westbrook's going to go away. And we're just going to really see that as $47 million for two first. The Lakers can offer something in terms of financial flexibility for the future as well. So I think that's, that's another piece to this here. But Maybe they're not willing to offer too much. Um, oh, look at this. Jump it in now. Another surprise. Spaces. Sean. Sean Spaces Davis. How are you doing, man? Join join the party. Yeah, I didn't get the invitation, so I just uh, abruptly crashed the party. No, that's what you guys do. <laughs> when, when you don't get invited, you crash it. But uh, no, what's going on, guys? How's it going, Sean? Sean, we had our meeting earlier tonight. And I got to bet you, you looked pretty tired during our meeting. And you didn't mention anything about the live show. So I'm like, Sean's usually the type where he he says, hey, do you want somebody to come on? I'm like, maybe he just wants to wants to take a night off. So I didn't want to bug you about coming on here. No, nah, yeah. I feel like I've been on a lot of them recently anyway. I think I missed Monday's show. So I was like, you know what? I'll come on. <laughs> oh, twist your arm and get you on here. Uh, we do have a question here coming in from Maddie James said, if we don't get the Pacers trade, which is looking pretty likely. Again, I talked to Jake Fisher this morning. And it sounds very unlikely the Pacers are going to do anything. Would it make more sense to sign Huff and Cole and wait till the trade deadline to try to get a trade done and see what these other guys can do until, until then instead of giving up picks? Um, yeah. What do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, you know what? Um, I like Jay Huff. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Um, Jay Huff is... Well, you know, he's a very raw prospect that as of right now, we didn't really get to see much of him last season under Frank Vogel, but uh, he looked great in the summer league. And uh, and maybe this is because we were thin at the front line last season, but this year we got a couple of bigs. So that is an interesting question. I, I definitely like Cole Swider for shooting as well. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see what they do with the roster spots number 13. I'm sorry, 14 and 15, right? Uh, we, we currently, as constructed, we have two 
open roster spots, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Trev? Yeah, yep. Two open <clears throat> roster spots right now. They have to, by league rules, they have to use that 14th spot. 15, they can leave open if they want to. Right. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see uh, if they give it to one of the young guys. Let's not forget about Scotty Pippen Jr. as well. Mm -mm, uh, mm -mm. <laughs> and no, Sean says no to no. Scotty Pippen Jr. <clears throat> what, okay, so let's say, let's say the Lakers go into it and they say, we are going to use one of those spots. We'll use 14. We're not going to use 15. And you got to pick between these two guys. Jay Huff, Cole Swider, whichever. And let's say whichever one you don't pick gets the two-way spot. So if Cole Swider moves up, Jay Huff gets the two-way spot. Who are you moving up onto the roster? Uh, I, I, you know what? I like Cole Swider's shooting ability. I think that's something that the, the team currently is in dire need for, especially you know mm -hmm. since last season. So why not go and address uh, something potentially that could help us this year? which is shooting, right? Um, now, Jay Huff, like I said, I, I like our, our front court depth, but, you know, we got Thomas Bryant there. We got Damian Jones this season. We don't know if Wenyan Gabriel might pay, play some uh, small ball five. Hopefully not, but <laughs> you never know. And uh, as well as Anthony Davis sometimes in, in the clutch, right? They might move him down to the fifth spot. So uh, I think we're pretty much set. Uh, but I do like Jay Huff's uh, skill set that it brings to the table. So not not exactly sure, but I, I, I'll take Cole Swider. Sean? I think I'm going to agree. I think you, if you have to do one of that, those options where you're calling one of those guys up to be your 14th roster spot, then it would be Cole Swider. Um, convert him to a standard contract, and then um, now you have the flexibility to keep J-Hop around, and then maybe you keep developing him in the next year. Damian Jones potentially opts out, who gets another deal. You have a what should be a plug-and-play uh, scheme fit with J-Hop. Um, I really hope, I'm really glad they weren't they were allowed to uh, keep them in house and I'll let them out the door. Um, so, and then if there's an injury knock wood, obviously then you have a guy on a two way spot that, I mean, this sounds so like generic and basic, but the best compliment we could really give Jay Huff in a good way. We're not like being condescending, but like me and Trevor throughout summer league, we're like, man, he looks like a legitimate NBA player. He doesn't look like a G league guy. He looked like an NBA sure ready did. player. Um, so you you have a have an NBA ready guy on a two way contract that's great value. So and if the injury happens, you bring him up and then you uh, have that flexibility still. But I, I agree, you use Cole Swider for one of those spots. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the added benefit, too, of doing something like that, moving Jay Huff up either to a two-way spot or a full roster spot, either way you want to go, is that you keep him away from other teams poaching him. Like right. you said, he did look like an NBA player. And that was the concern was that, you know, oh my gosh, the Lakers may not have really much in the way of opportunities for him. Some other team's going to come in here and steal him away because a guy that's just on a G League contract 
any team can come in and offer. It could be, you know, the Rockets could call him up and say, hey, Jay Huff, come, come play for us, and, and off he goes. If you've got him under contract, though, that's not going to happen. So you can continue to develop him in that system. I think that he would be a player that would be on other teams' radars. So if you bump him up or you bump Cole Swider up and you give Jay Huff the two-way contract, either way, you can keep him in-house and say, you know what, let's see what he's really got here. And then maybe it's not this year, maybe next year he's ready for a bigger role, and then and then off we go, especially with Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones, both potentially being on expiring deals at the end of the season. Absolutely. Uh, Kobe24 Bryant said, still for a Hayward or Oubre trade, did I miss anything? Why is it not being talked about the Miles Bridges thing? Uh, that I think that really put an end to any incentive the Hornets had to doing that, to shedding salary and that kind of a deal. That was the benefit for them. And with the Miles Bridges situation, they don't really need that that room anymore so i think you know that put an end to uh the hornets trade talks it also put an end in a uh really made a, another struggle for my power rankings i don't know what to do with the hornets now that's <laughs> right and sean is doing a power ranking series over on the front office show uh, he already did the houston rockets did a really nice uh breakdown of them yeah i don't envy you with trying to figure out where to slot some of these teams the hornets being one of them that's that's not going to be easy. That's that's for sure. In terms of what they did this offseason, you're, you're ranking them uh, by their quality as a team, but also you're looking at what they did during the offseason. And, and the Hornets, in some ways, were paralyzed by the Bridges situation. Yeah. Uh, Maddie James said, I still think it was a mistake to let Stanley go. I believe him, Reeves, and Patrick Beverly would have created a much-needed defensive identity. Um, Dan, I, I did not... I didn't care for that part of the Taylor Horton Tucker trade. Stanley Johnson being included. Wow. What was your take? Were you okay with with him being included? Was it just a necessary evil to get the trade done, or, or what was your opinion? Uh, you know what? Um, I'm still not a huge fan of the Patrick Beverly trade. Okay. As the roster is currently constructed, right? Uh, the last time I was on here uh, on your show, Trev, uh, we talked about how Patrick Beverly, his fit with the Lakers, the way it's constructed. We had we're guard heavy at the moment, right? So I like the wing depth we had with Stanley Johnson, with THT. You know, uh, maybe you can play Austin Reeves there at the three a little bit, some small ball. Uh, but by trading Stanley Johnson and THT, now I'm thinking, well, this trade doesn't make much sense to me. Like, what's next? What's the subsequent trade that's going to come and, and give us some wing depth here? You know, we, we, we talked about Bojan Bogdanovich. We've talked mm-hmm. about plenty of pieces. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this deal unless – they address the small forward position. So I agree with the uh, with the super chat coming. I mean, I guess that, that really brings us to a bigger question. And this is something that I've been trying to wrap my mind around for a while. And Sean, I mean, you're so great with the X's and O's. What is the, what's the basketball identity of this team? Part of, I mean, part of that might need to, we, we need to see them on the floor for them to kind of discover that. But most of the really good teams you kind of know what who they are and what it is that they're trying to do and what the what their play style is and all of that. Sean, what is this Lakers team? I think we're gonna. I think. Well, first off, if you want any optimism, Laker fans, about that question, I think we have a better idea of what this Lakers team is in terms of their play style right now, without training camp even starting, than what it was last season. I feel like the Lakers roster itself didn't know what they what their goals were on either end of the floor Mm -hmm. um well this team i think it's hard to tell but i will say that for the most part they i think you can tell they had a clear vision for this offseason and that was to get younger which for the most part they've done that to get more athletic 
which they've sure. done that for sure. I feel like that's the only reason why you signed Lonnie Walker, the athletic, just a freak athleticism piece. And, um, you know, get more switchy, be more athletic, be better defensively and getting younger. Um, I, and I think they are trying slowly but surely getting back to that, hey, we're going to be more fat, we're going to be faster, stronger, tougher, and we're going to be re- really well coached. Um, I think, and I, I pitched this out, like with this current team, I think your best lineup or your closing lineup in a playoff series, Pat Bev, Austin Reeves, JTA, LeBron AD, and very similar to previous lineups I've talked about, who do you switch on? Because that's a relatively um, bigger lineup. You have some decent size there. Austin 6'6", JTA 6'7", I believe. So you have some good size there. Um, who do you switch on? Because, again, if Austin, if you are attacking Austin Reeves, please, I beg of you, I will love that. I, I, I'm fine. You have AD loading up on the weak side for help. Sure, that's fine. Well, they try to do it in his rookie season as well. They try to, you know, go right at the rookie, Austin Reeves, and he held his own. So you're right about that. Absolutely. Right. Man. Um, and then I think offensively, you, you got some more floor spacing. And I think with Darvin Ham, if he's running more of the Bucks offense, I think the ball movement will be a priority. But I think it'll be a lot more of the screen game, driving kick game, than it will be like, hey, we're just going to pass the ball around the perimeter 55 times and use screening and cutting and stuff like that. But, um, it's tough to see. I think the biggest indicator, even though this game does not matter, is what they look like in the first game of preseason. That's actually a big game for me because, like, I think we're going to see Darwin kind of, you know, play around with some stuff, um, with some different schemes and stuff like that. I think that'll be a great idea what this Lakers team will look like. That's that's a great point, and that's that's going to be an an indicator, not necessarily of the overall quality of the team, because you're going to see a lot right. of different rotations, a lot of different players getting minutes there, and, and things are going to be a bit wonky. But you should get a basic idea of what the general concepts, the general tenets of the of the team is. So I think that's a that's a good point. That that first game, which I believe is October third, I want to say it's against the Kings, yeah. coming up. Um, that is that's going to give us an idea of exactly what the Lakers are trying to be, and give us a better idea of that identity. Uh, Luis Castro said, love the show, Trevor, knowing that OKC still likes Westbrook and first round picks. think that Shea and filler for Westbrook and two first works. No, come on. First of all, thank you for the the super chat. Thank you for saying that you love the show, but there's no world in which Shea Gilders Alexander is going for Russ and two first. Yeah, no, that's a pipe dream. That's uh, that's video game talk right there, man. Um, I got to say, uh, that, Shai Gillies Alexander, I don't see any reason why the Thunder would want to move him. Uh, even though he yeah. might not be as young as the rest of the young core they have there, I mean, he's clearly the leader of the team right now. So, uh, you know, and they have, like you already mentioned, the treasure trove of draft picks. So, why, you know, there's, there's a certain degree where you can stockpile those draft picks. And then on the flip side of that, you also want to start building a, a winning culture eventually, right? And, and get things right for when that right trade comes along and you get that superstar in his prime potentially. Uh, just like the Cavs did with Donovan Mitchell. You just add them to your core uh, and you use some of those draft picks. And I, I'm so bummed about Chet Holmgren. I mean, that yeah. oh, that oh. was going to be so – I was so excited to get to see him play in the Thunder. You know, they've had some tough seasons. That would be great to see to see him out there. But, um, man, yes. unfortunately, I think they're headed towards another high pick, which, I mean, could work out in the long run for them if you go get – Victor Wembanyama or something there. Oh. Next thing you know, you've got him and Holmgren together. Whew, that could be trouble down the road. Uh, Senpai NFT said, is Russ and a first-round pick for Turner, is that deal possible 
save the other first for a deadline deal for like non Bryant package. So Jake Fisher told me this morning that the Pacers want two firsts for Miles Turner. Um, wow. Great so interview with uh, Jake Fisher, by the way. Just want to plug hey. that. Yes, go check it out on our, our YouTube channel. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think it is because we have to remember too. Like just in our heads, we think player and a pick for the player. Okay, that's good value. But when you add in the salaries, you're talking about a what a thirty million dollar trade exception the Lakers would be getting, while the Pacers would be eating an extra thirty million dollars in salary. That's I think that's where this this probably falls apart. Yeah. Um... You know the Pacers want to be incentivized, you know, to take on Russell Westbrook's uh, contract, and uh, you know, like you like you said, uh, two first round picks is what they want. Uh, that's just not worth it for me for the Lakers because he's potentially a one year rental, right? And even if they add Buddy Hield and and his contract, you know, rumor had the Lakers are trying to uh, keep their cap books pretty clear for next uh, off season. So, yeah, it's starting to look uh, more bleak. Maybe they can revisit this around the trade deadline. Maybe it gets more interesting, you know. Uh, but for now, yeah, I, I think uh, we're gonna we're looking at a similar roster to what we should have to start. Are you guys Are you guys okay with that? With the Lakers focusing on keeping their cap clear for next year? I mean, what does that say about their intentions this season? That's tough. That that's definitely tough because we, you know, according to reports, LeBron James wanted the Lakers to compete now. Right, and that's really hard to do if you're protecting uh, draft picks and and worried about the cap for next season. So, it, it sends mixed signals to the fan base. I I, I think right, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty tough. If LeBron was 27, Rob Palenka, I'm with you. LeBron's 37, going on 38. Yeah, Can't. you got to go all in, right? <laughs> it's surprising to me that they got LeBron to sign this extension, and then now we're hearing, well, we want to preserve future cap space for who? Maybe the, the, the free agent class isn't Jr. and Brooke Lopez. <laughs> maybe LeBron feels like they can give it another shot with Russ, and maybe if it doesn't work out, then they'll probably try to move the contract mid-season. Yeah, yeah, could be. Uh, explain the Utah situation. Do they cut players to get to fifteen? Who can trade one player to get three players, which helps them besides the Lakers uh, to get to fifteen? Yeah, I mean, they, they ideally they're going to look to move these guys, but the Lakers aren't the only suitor. It's not like the only team that they can turn to to trade. Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson and Boyan Bogdanovich and players like that is the Lakers. There's other teams that are going to want these guys too. Yes, they do need to shed some contracts, but worst case, they just waive some players and they have to pay the player to go away. That may be preferable for Utah than taking on a contract that they don't want or doing a, a deal that they don't want. But again, I, I think they will have options to move these guys, even if it is, isn't in a Lakers trade. Absolutely. There's going to be options for, uh, I mean, those are valuable veteran role players, especially Mike, Mike Conley and Boyan. Uh, but, you know, let's see. Let's see, because maybe they pull up at the 12th uh, minute and, you know, before training camp, they still pull something off. But uh, yeah, to be determined. Our chat is hilarious, as always, guys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I, I am not caught up in the chat right now. I'm yeah. I'm like tw I'm twenty minutes behind because I'm I'm getting the super chats here. So whatever you're looking at right now, I'll be laughing about in a, in like twenty minutes from now. Uh, Alex F said, "Give Russ the keys and let him run the offense and close games." I don't think that's going to be a popular opinion. No, <laughs> I'm the optimistic one. I'm disagreeing with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Russ. Uh, let's just hope he buys in. How about we, we start with that? If he can buy into whatever role Darvin Ham wants to uh, carve out for him, then I'm happy. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's that's going to be key. You know what I, I started doing this evening? Was I started making up a list. If I was coaching, making up a list of rules that I would be implementing with Russell Westbrook in order to try to get the best out of him. And every t- everything that I came up with, I'm like, he's not going to want to do this. Can I see oh, that this list is- when we're done? I have yeah, I'll, I will. I will. And we'll go over it on a future show. Or so it's not a fully formed thought, but I have all these like all these non-negotiables that would result in him being on the bench. You can probably guess what's number one on that on that list, Sean. Oh yeah, like we're on the same wavelength there. <laughs> it's the the pull-up jumper in transition with twenty seconds left on the clock. That's instant instant benching. <laughs> we're not show. in basketball. It's not even close. Uh, Joseph said, what trade package do you prefer? Russ and two firsts for Indiana or Russ and one first for the Jazz if Jazz say Conley has to be involved? That's an interesting question. Hmm. What are you getting with Conley? Is it Conley Bogdanovich? Is it Conley and... Let's say it's Conley and Boyan. Uh, The Jazz deal. Yeah, you try to preserve those first as much as possible just just for future uh, (laughs) trades, potentially. You know what? I think that Mike Conley, I'm not saying that he's not on the decline. I think he is, but I pulled some of his numbers the other night. Defensively, last season, during the regular season, he was better than people are giving him credit for. He ran out of gas in the playoffs, and everybody remembers that, and so everybody's just assuming he can't play. I actually think his skill set would fit fairly well on the Lakers. Shoots 40% from three. He was a pretty tough defender, actually. Not the defender that he used to be, and he's probably not going to be as good next season because he's going to, you know, he's, what, 35 years old. But I think his skill set would be an interesting fit and an interesting one-two punch combination with Patrick Beverly. I'm not totally against, like the contract, like I'd, I wouldn't want any part of the contract. I understand that. But if we're just focusing on the player, I wouldn't be totally against him being on this on this roster. So I think I would lean the Jazz package, but I am still so drawn to what an AD-Turner combo could look like defensively. That would also be hard to say no to. So I could be I could be swayed in either direction there. Look you at me. There. You throw some protections on that uh, that first option, and it's, it's looking very lucrative. Yep, for sure. Uh, none for Reddish. Is that still possible? Uh, in theory. I mean, the, the math works. I don't know if the Knicks would want to do that deal, but I'm sure the Lakers probably still have some degree of interest in him, right? I mean, they, they tried to get him last year at the trade deadline. Right. Hey, Cam Reddish has a lot of potential. He's just He hasn't been unlocked, in my opinion, in the NBA yet. We saw what he did for Duke. And uh, you know he he's versatile. He he's, he has length. He has defensive potential. Uh, he could be that guy the Lakers could be looking for, similar to when we first traded for Trevor Reza from I believe the Orlando Magic uh, a couple years back. Uh, you know he wasn't unlocked yet, and then he he came. He played under Phil Jackson, and all of a sudden he made a career for himself. So I like Cam Reddish. I, I truly do. Uh, but there is question marks about Kendrick Nunn's health, whether he wants to admit it or not. Right. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> We'll see. To be the t- I, I like both of those players' skill sets, but it, can he stay healthy? That's the question. Kendrick Nunn. Thank you for bringing that up, Dan. I, I forgot that I was going to mention that on here. Kendrick Nunn got all bent out of shape that it was reported, that Jovan reported that he was, that there was a bit of a slow ramp up. And, you know, he call, calls it out on, we we aggregated the, the story for Lakers Nation and he quote tweets it and all that kind of stuff. And look, this, I understand Kendrick Nunn probably doesn't want to see negative news about himself and all that. But then Darvin Ham outright says that he's not playing five. He's mostly doing just, just drills and one-on-none stuff. The guy got injured, what, almost a year ago? 11 months ago? That's a slow ramp up if you're not yeah. playing five-on-five yet. <laughs> yeah. We expected him back last season. 
So yeah, I'd say it's pretty ways easy. away, as Frank Vogel yeah. would say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Really quick, going back to Trevor's point about Mike Conley, I very quickly just dug into some of the numbers. If you look at like the how many points per possession per 100 possessions the Jazz gave up defensively last year, there are better defensive lineups. And by they did not have a lot of great defensive guys. Their better defensive lineups are with Mike Conley on the floor. Yes. Like, for example, this one lineup that uh, defensively gave up 97.4 points per possession, which is pretty daggone good, had a lineup of Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, Eric Pascal, and Rudy Gobert. Like, well, outside of Rudy Gobert, that's Is that a small not, sample size? No, that's 231 possessions. Wow. So that's a pretty, okay. that's okay. A pretty good sample size. Like, Clarkson's not a good defender. Joe Ingles is slow and old, and Pascal's meh. So, and there's a couple other really good lineups too. So, like just going on to Trevor's point, like Conley definitely does get a bad rap. And like Trevor was saying earlier, I think he would be a really nice fit next to LeBron. Um, it's just the contract is not uh, ideal. Yeah. That's that's the big problem there. Jose Ortiz, last spot. You've got a few play players that you could work out: Lamb, Hood, James Ennis. Uh, sure. Um. You could you could work out a lot of lot of players and just see if they can come in, but I, I think they'll use that as the carrot during training camp. Hey, we've got an open roster spot. Who's going to impress us? Like that type of thing. Absolutely, yeah. you got to light a fire under these guys' motivation. Uh, Sean, this one's all you. Ben Lloyd says Josh Jackson wing camp invite. Well, uh, Ben, I hate to break it to you, but uh, Josh Jackson has already got a training camp invite with the Raptors. Um, go check out Raptor Station. Very cheap plug. Sorry, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, plug away there. That's that's in network. So, uh, yeah, Sean's got Raptors Nation going with uh, over with Luca, and they do a, a tremendous job. Uh, Lakers over everything says DTLF. Let's go. He's becoming a regular salute. We love you, Dan and Trev. You're the godfather. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you, that. man. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, Alan says, Trevor, I'm concerned about our size compared to other teams. Is that a concern of yours? I need some hope, Trevor, because it does seem like we might be punting our season, a.k.a. no championship. Um, the Lakers had an issue with size last season. And I've talked about this before, that even when you had, say, Dwight and AD on the floor, the problem was you were so small at the two and the three. Like we saw, we saw like what Wayne Ellington wind up being the nominal three sometimes, where they were undersized across the other positions. Do we have that same concern this year? Do you think they've done enough to adequately address those size issues? Or what are we thinking, guys? My favorite acquisition this offseason was Thomas Bryant. Personally, just because he you know, he has a, a high motor. He's very intense. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to, to impact the game. You know, He's going to give a lot of the garbage bucket second chance points. Uh, and I think he, him and Anthony Davis could actually be very underrated, you know, covering for each other on the weak side when they get beat. So um, I think we're good. You know, I wouldn't say we're great. If we get Miles Turner, I'd be so much more excited. But I really like the kid, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Bryant. And Damian Jones, not too shabby himself. We had him before, so we know what he brings. He's, he's kind of like a different version of Ed Davis. Remember Ed Davis? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's what he kind of brings to the table. You know, nothing nothing spectacular, but he, he hard work, you know, hard worker. In terms of our wing depth um, and our, just our size in general, I'm going to agree. I don't think – I'm too worried with our like starters in our first line of defense in terms of our backups. But I think if an injury happens is where you're really going to be like, Oh crap. Okay. We could really use some added wing depth or some added depth yeah. here or there. Like for example, the Clippers, the Clippers lost Nicholas Batum, right? They're like, mm -hmm. okay, 
Robert Covington, Marcus Moore Sr., uh, Amir Coffey. He's uh, like a guard slash wing, but like the but point he's is, got like, size. They, yeah, he, he's got size, but they just have guys on guys on guys at the wing spot that they could just throw out there. Um, but like, if you look at the Lakers, like LeBron's going to play the three a lot. You have Troy Brown Jr., JTA, AD's going to play a lot of four this year. Keep that in mind. And then I think we're going to see a, a mixture of Austin Reeves as your three in small ball lineups because you're guard heavy with Russ, Pat Bev, Lonnie, and Kendrick. I don't think you go into the season with all four. It doesn't make sense. But you're going to see lineups with Austin as a three because you're so guard heavy. So um, I, I think you're fine. But if an injury happens, then I think we're going to see like, yeah, we could have really used like an Otto Porter Jr. or another guy. Well, well, let me ask you guys this. Do we leave an open roster spot? Number fifteen, just in case you know the bio market's going to be good, or we we do have uh, Wenyan Gabriel's contract is non guaranteed, right? If I'm not mistaken, it is correct. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so maybe they you know they have that option as well, uh, but yeah, I, I I'd look towards the buyout market in the future. Uh, you get better players in, out there. I think they leave an open roster spot, but not just because of what could be coming on the buyout market. I think because of what it means financially when you're in the luxury tax, that two point six million veteran minimum. Even if the league does prorate some of that because they want to incentivize you to take on veteran players, um, that's still going to be a, a pretty penny to pay when you add in the luxury tax to it. So you're talking about, right. I mean, what is it? Probably, I mean, off the top of my head, maybe like $7 million that you ultimately have to come out of pocket for that player. So Jeez, I think leaving yeah. that roster spot open would make some sense from that, from a financial perspective, plus having that kind of flexibility that matters too. But I, I am actually a bit concerned about the wing depth because – what Sean was saying, I don't want to see Austin Reeves or Lonnie Walker at 6'4 have to play the three. We saw that last season. I don't want to see them forced. Like if, if you're in a situation where that is your ideal strategy, that's fine. But we saw a lot of moments last season where guys who were vastly undersized were being asked to play that wing position out of necessity. I don't want to see the Lakers in that spot. And right now, what if Troy Brown Jr. doesn't hit? What if it doesn't yeah. work? Or Juan Toscano Anderson, I, I know I'm more confident in JTA in terms of knowing what he brings, but what if there's an injury? That's where losing Stanley Johnson hurts a little bit too. You're very reliant on Anthony Davis eating up a lot of the minutes at four, which makes you therefore more reliant on Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones to lock down a lot of the minutes at the center position. You're also in some ways reliant upon Wenyan Gabriel to also chew up some of those minutes at the four, maybe even the five, in order to almost exclusively use Troy Brown Jr., Juan Toscano Anderson at the three, sometimes the four when need be. Because if one of those guys falters, I did the math on our last show in terms of breaking down the minutes and everything. If one of those guys falters and Wendy Gabriel's not a consistent part of the rotation, suddenly you're at a point where JTA or Troy Brown Jr. is playing like 30 plus minutes a night just wow. because you've got so many minutes that you have to divvy up between the three and the four. It, it gets tough quick. So I am a little bit concerned about that, but we'll see how it plays out. Max Christie, baby, let's go. 12 to 15 <laughs> uh, minutes I, a night. I'm projecting no minutes for Max Christie, and that's I not a too. knock on him. I am too. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know what? I've had this thought recently, too, when looking at this team. We were on board with moving on from Kyle Kuzma um, for a while. In fact, I even said quite a few times that the, that the Lakers trading Kyle Kuzma might be the best thing for the Lakers and the best thing for Kyle Kuzma. Just like we've talked about Taylor Horton Tucker kind of spreading his wings in Utah, getting a different opportunity. That might have uh, that might have been a necessity for Kyle Kuzma. 
in order for him to kind of take his game to the next level. But that was always under the assumption that they would replace him. Right. They never really did that. They still haven't really replaced Kyle Kuzma in terms of his skill set. I know it's not an easy one to find. Maybe JTA can be that, but JTA is 6'6". So is, so is Troy Brown Jr. They never really replaced Kyle Kuzma's skill set, and, and I'm still waiting to see them do that. And to add to that, I, I, I was one of the few fans that never wanted to see him traded because even though, like you said, he needed to spread his wings elsewhere, uh, he was very valuable to this team. And he, he did something that most people his age or at his position with his skill set wouldn't do is sacrifice his offensive numbers, focus more on defense and playmaking. And, and he really fit that role perfectly. So did KCP. But you're absolutely right, man. We miss Kyle Kuzma. Come back, Kuz. Come back. <laughs> yeah, hey, he, he um, might be a free agent this summer. Right. Maybe. But with the JTA Kuz thing as well, like you mentioned, it's the size thing too. But Kuz was also legitimate. Uh, scoring threat in terms of, hey, like, we can give Kuz the ball at the uh, free throw line extended, let him go get a bucket on a smaller guard from the mid-range area. And then the, the defense, the underrated rebounding ability. Um, I do love JTA, though. I think it would be a great fit. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. I just want to see Lakers basketball at the end of the day. Yeah. Good, bad, or indifferent. That's fine. That's looking true. Forward to. I, I feel like it's been – a long time since we've seen Lakers basketball. They may have been on the floor wearing the purple and gold jerseys last season, but that wasn't Lakers basketball. Oh, very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nico Wallace says, Kendrick Nunn for Reddish and Max Christie in a first for Josh Richardson. I like Josh Richardson. No. But no first. The, and the money doesn't work on that either. Yeah. And that's awful value, by the way. Isan uh, said, uh, was huge on getting uh, Westbrook out, but seeing the offers, none make us contenders. Let's give Westbrook one more chance, and next year could probably get Kyrie. Um, I mean, what what should be the mentality of Lakers fans? I think this is a good jumping off point into this. You know, I, Russell I think... Westbrook's back. What, I'm sorry, Dan, with, with okay. Russ being back, what should be the mentality of Lakers fans? Because most fans have been saying trade this guy. How do you make that transition to okay, he's he's on the roster, he's wearing the jersey. Now let's support him. Well, I, I think we should give Darvin Ham a chance to see what he can do with this roster before we, uh, you know, before we go crazy about it. You know, I've seen a lot of fans already saying stuff like, oh, I'm not going to watch the games this year. Right. You will watch. You know, you, <laughs> Lakers are must watch TV. Everybody's watching. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the, the Lakers, we have to give Darvin Ham an opportunity to show us what he can do with these these tools, these, these, uh, you know, these weapons he has at his disposal. He talked about. Uh, how he's very excited to work with Russell Westbrook. Let's see it happen. Now, I'm not looking forward to a potential Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook uh, guard lineup. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit. I might have a couple of nightmares there. But other than that, I I'll give Darvin a chance. What, sca what scares you about that? It, the floor spacing. I, you know, we see what's happened to, to some uh, valuable shooters that have come to the Lakers. Now, he he's a 38% uh, three-point shooter last season, I think, Patrick Beverly. If I'm not mistaken, for his career, I think he might. Oh, be. for his I'm, career, okay. I think he was down a little bit last season. Right, 30, well, 35 last year. That usually tends to dip when they, you know, when they come and play for the bright lights of Los Angeles. We're not Real. the we're not the Clippers, you know. It's not going to be easy for Pat. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm very curious to see the floor spacing around LeBron and Anthony Davis. Now, I like Austin Reeves, but you know, even though he got out to a hot shooting start last season, his rookie season, he eventually hit that rookie wall a little bit, and that dipped to about 33, percent which is solid for a rookie. But we want that up to like, you know, 30, 35 and above, right? Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't buy the Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly lineup at all. Let me sell Dan, if you don't mind, Trevor. Yeah, please. Um, also, 
just I'm not, I'm not trying to correct Dan, but if you take out like half court heaves and like random, like just weird three point attempts, Reeves was definitely closer to that 35% marker for uh, the majority of the season. But um, Beverly shooting 38% from three, I'm going to believe. Granted, it's, I mean, unless you're LeBron, when you do become a Laker for some reason, you're shooting dips. But um, I'm going to choose to believe that Patrick Beverly is going to be close to that 38% three point shooter. Um, that you at least have to respect to a certain extent. And the NBA is about perception, I feel, as well. And even if, like, he has a down year, you're going to look at the stat sheet and you're like, oh, crap, Patrick Beverly is a 38% career shooter from three. You might not be just running out there, but you're going to get a contest. You're going to try to contest. I think we look at Russ. I think Russ is at his best where he has floor spacers. And Pat Bev statistically is that guy like i said 38 percent three-point shooter on good volume um and then good volume like four attempts or so per game throughout his career is decent enough volume for an off-ball player and then defensively as well like i've mentioned i think you can and i think darvin will be able to hide russell westbrook defensively and do some creative things now he has patrick beverly in there um you could say and this is the argument i would say for uh not wanting to see this backcourt is this is really, really small, Russ and Pat Bev. But I guess I'm more just, you know, cautiously optimistic is the biggest word way I'm saying this, that on both ends, it can look pretty decent or at least better than I think some Lakers fans are anticipating. So let me get this straight really quick. You you prefer to see a, a Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook lineup or like a Russell Westbrook or Patrick Beverly, Austin Reeves uh, backcourt lineup? Because I prefer the latter. If you had to choose, if I had to choose, I'm definitely taking the second one. Right. But I mean, like, are you really, you're not benching Russ. I don't There's going to be overlap no matter what. There's going to be overlap. Right. You know, I think skill set wise, I'm worried about the size. I'm not totally, I'm not totally not worried about it. I'm worried about the size of that backcourt for sure. Yeah. And that's a legitimate concern. That's fair. Um, Just... Quick, uh, real quick, guys. We are going to cut off uh, super chats here. It is, yeah. Uh, it. Uh, instead, of, I've decided to put something on the screen. I don't want anybody to to pay for a super chat and then not get their their comment read. So we're not going to be able to get through any more after after this one. So we're going to cut them off. Any of them that come in after, well, it's ten oh seven right now Pacific time. So any of them that come in after that, uh, we're not going to be able to get through. So just want to make sure it's clear. So nobody, you know, submits one and then doesn't get their their comment read. Uh, we would. May be here all night. Which, but again, thank you guys. Appreciate all of them that come in, very very much. Um, Lakers over everything said. I joyfully gave my Russ jersey to Goodwill in July because wow. I knew he was out. Now what am I going to do? Shaking my head. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you can't you can't go take it back now. So I guess just wait to see how he plays. You know what? Buy one of the new Lakers jerseys as soon as it's available. That really nice white looking white one with the UCLA style lettering, the old school yes. George Mike and era. Get, mm-hmm. get one of those. I think that's an upgrade. The ones that's, that they don't have enough available of, like their PS5s or something. That's right. Wasn't it Matt that said like their fabric make more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say I say just get, you know, pull out your old uh Kyle Kuzma jersey and just uh you know just write Westbrook on it. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just put just a little duct tape across the across the back. Yep. Write it on a mark and it'll work. Absolutely. It'll go work. to Goodwill and say psych. <laughs> uh, the real big three. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. 
appreciate it. Very much, very much appreciate it. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Go well, on through some of the stuff. You guys know that uh, people, maybe it's because I was higher on Christy, but people are like trying to knock Christy based off of summer league stats. No, he, he's a raw prospect, but he, he definitely shows some defensive promise. I, I like him a lot. That's the wildest thing I've seen in my first year covering the Lakers. You're trying to knock a 19-year-old based off of Summer League stats. It, it makes sense. I mean, everybody knows that Nikolaus Skidishvili, I mean, after dominating Summer League, turned in a historic NBA career, is now in the record book. Summer League directly translates to the NBA season and is a and has a perfect record or foretelling how good or bad a player will be in the NBA. Jamal Murray sucks. Apparently, he shot thirty-one percent in summer league. He's he sucks. No, I, he's look. Max Christie is a prospect. He's going to take time. Uh, you can see the blueprint for what they're looking for in him, but it's going to take time. It's going to take time for him to get there. Uh, Lakers over everything. It says Dan versus Sean one on one. Loser has to do thirty minutes speaking nothing but positivity oh, about Russell Westbrook. Wow, I think I could do that. No, I'd hate to lose that one, bro. I don't think I have <laughs> ten minutes in me to be honest with you, man. But. Hey, I got nothing to lose. I think I could. Uh, I think I could do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> All I'm gonna say about Russell Westbrook, he's a Hall of Famer, and I respect him off of the court. That's it. Dan's just gonna be saying the same thing the whole video. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, Loop great it. dude. On <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vinny says, "Can you see Russ for sixth man?" I love that idea, but would he, would he be willing to do it? That's the yeah. question. Is if Darvin Ham can get Russell Westbrook on his first year as a head coach to play off the bench. He is a basketball savant, and uh, we, we might as well sign him to another extension already. <laughs> you know? To Dan's point, you know how much command of a locker room Darvin Ham would have to have to be able to come in to a crappy, not crappy, but a really toxic situation and be able to somehow get Russell Westbrook, one of the guys with the biggest egos in all the NBA, and say, you make $47 million, come off the bench. If he did that, oh my God. I'm a, Yeah. You're, you become $47 million Bruce Brown in this system <laughs> and come off the bench and do the, do these things for us. Yeah, look, if he pulls it off, that's going to be a major feather in the cap of, uh, of Darvin Ham. But yeah, I don't know if he'll be willing to. But again... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, I don't think you can give Russell Westbrook a lot of leeway if he's not doing the things you're asking him to do. I mean, look, Darvin Ham said at the, the presser, he was asked, can they work Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly together? He said, if they play defense. Obviously, he's not talking about Patrick Beverly, the guy who's made his whole career Very about true. defense. Very talking true. about Russ. Yeah, that, was, that was a subtle jab by coach, you know. Yep. Uh, facts before feelings. There it is. There, there it go. is. Uh, James Bell said, the more I think about it, the more I'm pissed about the Patrick Beverly trade. We had a wing. Isn't it funny? The way, and this is my reaction too. We are more upset about Stanley Johnson going out the door than, than Taylor Horton Tucker. Maybe that's telling. Yeah. I think it's, go, go ahead. Sean. Go ahead, Sean. You, you first. No, I was just going to say, I think it's because of the part. And this is why Rob, I think Laker fans are so frustrated with 
uh, Rob Palenka. Uh, it's the just contract mismanagement with younger players. Like THT would not have been on that contract to be like, give him a third year on his rookie deal. You just saved a little bit of that taxpayer. And it's the fact that he hasn't uh, like learned from that. And for example, like with this Max Christie, thing, I hate to go back to it, but like if Christie isn't ready next year, then this contract is terrible because now you're going into that third year, which he'll be eligible for, which he would, you would have to resign him and pay him. Um, now you're going to be paying him, giving him a new contract that you haven't seen him really play on at all, where if you give him the third year and save just a little bit, because there's no way Lottie Walker needed all $6.4 million to become a Laker. No way. You, you can't sell me on that. Um, you save just a little bit of that taxpayer. Now you have Max Christie around for a third year. You get to you don't have to rush a development process. And I think that's part of the reason why, because we looked at THT for the value of his contract. Like, yeah, bye. That's a bad contract. You play well, you're going to opt out. And what more money you, you play, you don't play well, you're going to opt in. And that's a terrible $10, $11 million contract on our books. I think that's why we're more upset at Stanley. I think it's, it says more about how impatient us Laker fans are with young talent. Think about this. Too. A, a lot of Laker fans, when we drafted Brandon Ingram, and he had a, a subpar rookie season compared to the expectations, they were calling him a bust already, man. I remember defending him on my live stream uh, you know, for video after video, talking about let's be patient, guys. You know, it, He's young. He's raw. Same thing with uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. We were singing his praises, the way he played in the bubble for a rookie. You know, he was killing it in the G League, and all of a sudden you know, he has one bad year. By the way, I don't like the way they used him last year. You know, uh, Frank Vogel at the, using him at the wing. I like him much better at the guard position. Uh, but yeah, we turned on our we turned on our young players uh, too quick. We got to be more patient. We can't have our cake and eat it too. We, we live in a world of instant gratification, and so patience is is no longer a thing for most of us. So that's uh, you know, I, I think he's going to thrive in, in Utah, and I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years we're looking at it saying, "Man, we really wish we still had THT." But right, absolutely, we are. Uh, Steven says, looking at the Cavs, Mobley and Allen pairing makes me really wish we could pair AD with Turner. Man, I mean, that that could, Mobley and Allen is right there, but that could, like Turner and AD together could potentially be the best defensive duo at the power forward center position in the NBA. Like that's, it, it would, would be, be pretty remarkable. It would be scary for the, for the opposition. It would be extremely scary. <laughs> you got two skilled seven footers who can space the floor and, and, you know, and uh, cover for each other on the weak side. My goodness, man. I'd, I'd love to see it. Alan Robert Williams is up there too. Robert. Oh. Al Horford and Robert Williams. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. They, they would be up there as well. Yeah. They would easily be up there. Okay. Um, let's get into, we've got just a few left. Uh, Tony said, give us hope, Trevor. Why haven't we seen Westbrook, LeBron and AD together? If they're running it back, appreciate you. You all, I didn't see when I first said, give us, give us hope. I'm like, Oh, we're, we need to say something positive about Russell Westbrook here. No, he's, he's looking for any last shred of evidence that somehow they're going to move on from, from Russ. I, I think that the, the fact that he was in the facility for the press conference, says more than, you know, the fact that you haven't seen footage of him on the floor with those two other guys. And to your point, I, I find it very interesting that we haven't seen those guys, you know, uh, on the court together, even in the practice. You know, we see a lot of clips of LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. I hope this doesn't leak out to the season and we have some sort of, it is Hollywood, but, you know, 
I don't want this type of drama to leak out into this season. We already had enough of that last year. So I hope that they can gel at some point if they do come together and uh, and everybody buys into their role. That's the key. They've got to recover from the sh the cold shoulder at, uh, at Summer League in Las Vegas. 19 days till training camp, a little bit over a month till the season starts. Well, 19 on the East Coast for me. Um, time's ticking, Rob. I, I, if you want optimism, first off, I think it's very, very strange how they handled that press conference. It was not uh, broadcasted out to the general public or anything like that. It was very in-house, and it wasn't – that just was not very professional. I'm going to be uh, absolutely 100. Like, that's just so, so weird. I haven't seen – a press conference for the first time, like you're introducing a player look like that where it's in house, not broadcasted out to the public at yeah. all. It's Patrick Beverly in workout clothes. You don't even have his Jersey with them. If you want optimism, I'm going to say that the, like they're saving the big broadcasted press conference with Pat Bev with another deal. I don't, I don't know. That's just a working theory. Cause that was just so strange. I'm like, what are we doing here? Why is this not being, broadcast it out to the meet to the full public if it's all some conspiracy theory because there's really a bigger deal that's brewing then why was russ there it's also bizarre at this point i, I think everybody's <laughs> so confused at this point but you know what let's get training camp rolling let's see the truth man we're ready for the for the cold hard facts just that's prepare right. for russ to be back honestly we're, at this point and then if something else happens be happy we're trying to read into into everything uh, at this point. Uh, Matthew said, with the roster we have right now, who would you want as part of the closing lineup? We kind of discussed this a little bit. I, I would assume LeBron and AD are in the closing lineup. So who are your other three for each of you guys? Uh, I'd love to see Patrick Beverly for his defense with Austin Reeves and, uh, and insert whoever's having the best night, whether it's Thomas Bryant or if they want to go small. You know, just the fifth one should be optional. Uh, I'm going to go the same first two. I'm going to throw JTA because I think he gives you some more flexibility, gives you more switchiness out on the wing, and he's just a high basketball IQ player. And I think the Lakers need more high basketball IQ players out on the floor. So give me JTA. True. Yeah, I, I'm, I would go – yeah, I'd go Patrick Beverly, Austin Reeves, JTA right now because I, I just want – I want no matter what gets thrown at you situationally, I want a, a lineup that can adapt and overcome anything, which means you need as much versatility as you can get. So I think that with JTA on the floor, you get that. But again, we haven't seen these guys play. Who knows? I mean, maybe JTA doesn't mesh well with LeBron or something. Not what I'm projecting, but we need to see what they look like. Really there. underrated rebounder too. So if people are worried about size, sure. that's something else that uh, needs to be discussed. Uh, Jose said the Raptors have all the wings. Otto, Scotty. Josh, Chris, Siakam, DJ Young, OG, like one center, <laughs> Fred and Trent is is ridiculous. Uh, they do have a lot, but you can't have too many wings in today's NBA. You can't. And that, I went from have from covering a team with all the wings to none of the wings. Like get both ends <laughs> of the spectrum. That's the most popular position nowadays. Huh? Everybody needs those wings, especially after the last playoffs. Uh, wing heavy teams were in the finals, so. Everybody wants those wings. Copycat league. I mean, look, if you were to somehow figure out a way to clone a player and make a five-man lineup of just that player, your most successful team, it, it wouldn't be Steph. It wouldn't be cloning, I don't know, Jokic. It would be cloning, like, LeBron, Kevin Durant, 
a healthy Kawhi. It would be all the wings because they're versatile enough to where you don't get necessarily crushed on the boards. You can still defend on the perimeter. You can do a lot of different things that you have to do on the floor. You can still handle the the basketball. It would be a team made up of only wings. And that's not, not to say that's, that's completely science fiction, obviously, but it just goes to show that there's a lot of value in the wing position because they can do a lot of things. They can the do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. That versatility matters. And that's versatility has become more and more important every season in the last, what, five years or so in the NBA. Absolutely. And to add to your point, the wing position is the one position that you could probably play. Uh, you know, it's closer to playing all five positions, right? They're the most versatile. Uh, so you're, you're absolutely in a positionless league where we're moving more and more towards, you know, positionless and it's wings are perfect. Uh, Lakers over everything said Cam Reddish possibly could he possibly be the Coos replacement. Uh, none and a second and signed Dennis to be the replacement for none. Reddish is clutch as well. Maybe uh, from, the, from the scoring aspect, sure. I think he has a lot of potential on that end. I don't think Reddish is going to be Coos replacement defensively or on the glass. I don't think you're going to feel him as much on that end. But uh, scoring-wise, just another off-ball score that, you know, you want to give LeBron or AD a break, go get a bucket from the free-throw line extended, uh, sure. Uh, but and in total, none in a second for Cam Rush to go sign Dennis, sure. Um, but honestly, I'm actually going to say no because I think the sa- your same problems are there. Unless you're trading Russ, you're still super, super guard-heavy. Like maybe trading none opens up that spot for Lonnie to take over and get more minutes that you're freaking paying him a taxpayer for. Um, so unless you're trading Russ, I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of getting Dennis Schroeder unless Russ is getting traded. I agree. I agree with Sean there. Yeah, I think I think Cam Reddish, and I agree with with Sean on the the guard situation there. But I think Cam Reddish. Uh, the difference between Cam Reddish and Kyle Kuzma is Kyle Kuzma is a four who can right. occasionally play the three. Cam Reddish is a three who can occasionally play the four. And that and that does matter. That does make a difference. Right. Um, Alan says, Mello and Blake Griffin, let's go. Just kidding. Yeah, that's last year's team. Yes, they would be all over that because age. Um, Legacy Fusion said, get ready for another tough season, Trev. Oh, don't say it ain't so. <laughs> uh, Westbrook is just a bad fit on the court. He lacks any self-awareness, deflects blame, and refuses to take responsibility. Say goodbye to team chemistry. Look, I'm not. I'm not optimistic. I'm not expecting. I'm going to be skeptical. I'm not expecting greatness from this team. But if Russ is on the team to start the season, I I sure hope that he proves all of us wrong. That all of the worrying was for nothing, and somehow they figure out a way to make it work. Because ultimately, they're wearing that Lakers jersey. But I'm. I have to maintain some level of optimism too, so I can. I can. I want to keep my excitement for the season to start here, right. man. The one silver lining, though, is that he's on a contract year, and after firing his agent, maybe, maybe he sees the signs. You know, there, there might not be a lot of opportunities if, if he bombs this season. So that's the one silver lining to keep tabs on right there. Stop hating, guys. Russ is the the greatest player of all time. Um, he's cle- he clearly was the best player on the Lakers last season. Um, but let, just stop hating, man. Russ is the goat. Gosh, <laughs> haters over here. There's Sean bringing the optimism. All right. We're going to wrap things up there. But before we go, you guys know tomorrow it's football time. Oh, yes. 
Who's who is winning before I let you guys out get out of here? Who is winning? The Bills or the Rams tomorrow night? Rams house, baby. Rams house. <laughs> I know Sean doesn't like me right now, but Rams are running it back, man. We're we're gonna do the uh we're gonna make the impossible happen. I know it's not likely in the NFL to uh go back to back, but this is the year, man. I feel it. It's gonna happen. All right, Sean, you're you're a Chargers fan. Who's who's getting the W tomorrow night? I actually was just on the podcast and I picked the Bills, so uh sorry, Dan. Um you sticking also, the wrong you picked the wrong LA team to win the Super Bowl. This oh, <laughs> I, no, no, no! I picked the only LA team to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Rams house, baby. I will also go with go with the Rams, saying the Rams are going to get get the win tomorrow night and get the season off to a good start. But uh, man. Bills have got to feel bad the way their season ended last year. They're going to have some extra fire, too. Either way, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait to see that. But thank you guys for, for joining me. Thank you, everybody, coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. And, of course, Dan and Sean, thank you guys for, for hopping in last minute. And even once the show already started, got you guys in. And uh, th- this was a lot of fun. So I appreciate you guys jumping on. Thank you, Trev. Yeah, of course, Trev. All right, everybody. Till next time. See you and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.